You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another installment of Locked On Texans, your daily podcast and news update. And as always, please remember to follow Locked On Texans on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, Spotify, and the brand new YouCanArgumentSports.com. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis, along with my partner in crime. John, some sports guy Hickman here, and happy Easter to everybody out there. You know, today is... Sunday, we're recording this Monday episode on Sunday, but we want to send out our love and just to say Happy Easter. Um, A short weekend, you know, kind of went by pretty fast. At least it did for me. The break was not long enough. However, we are back on this Monday to talk sports. And Cody, guess what? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell the listeners as well. I have a dog now. Oh, really? Yeah, I have a dog now. What? (laughs) It's at my house. What's his name? His name is Kofi. He's an all-black American Terrier pit bull. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. So, welcome, Kofi, to the Locked On Texan family, everybody. How old is he? Four months. Oh, so you just got him. Just got him. Just got him. What kind of dog is it? American Terrier pit bull, I'm sorry. Mm, So you're going to grow up pretty big, huh? Uh, Pretty nice size. Mm, I won't be coming to your house no time soon. Uh, We're going to have them just right. But the Houston Texans are what you guys are here for today. Of course, that's why you tune in. And we decided to have one in Houston. If you you are really in Houston sports and you keep up with who's hot around the city, today we will have my man Big Sarge to join us and bless the Mm -hmm. airways as we talk about Houston sports and the Texans. His real name is Brian Barefield. He is always around, whether it's the Astros, Texans, Rockets. Uh, we called him at a boxing event last year. He's always doing the good works. And he's always just in a sports media, having fun, interviewing players, getting the inside scoop code. I know you've worked with him before, I believe, at a Rockets game. So uh, can't wait to talk to him about Houston Texans and what he thinks of these offseason moves. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen out there. We are excited to have a guest on our show by the name of, I call him Uncle Sarge. Y'all may call him <laughs> Big Sarge. You know, you may call him whatever you, how you follow him on Twitter. I call him Uncle Sarge. My man, Brian Barefield, what's going on? Hey, what's going on, y'all? How y'all doing today? We doing good. Ready to talk to sports. Well, man. How was your Easter? <laughs> Man, it, it's actually going pretty well. I, I went back and revisited some um, old comedy shows that I had that's like over 10 years old, but still really good. Like, people don't realize Cat Williams' Pimp Chronicles Part 1 
is top five <laughs> specials of all time, man. I'm sitting there, I'm still laughing, and I've watched it twice. And I just got through watching Kings of Comedy while writing an article about the Texans. I was watching the Kings of Comedy that's, what, 20 years old? And I'm still laughing like I know the jokes was coming. Man, that's a classic. That's why, I mean, you really, it. the title says it all, Kings of Comedy. Yes. And so I've been just sitting back enjoying that, you know, it's unorthodox type of Easter. You know, I was able to get my church in this morning, you know, streaming uh, my home church out of Virginia, Alpha Street Baptist Church. And so I got my church out of the way. And then I guess I got my, uh, I, I don't know what to call it because I was cussing. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. What's going on, fellas? <laughs> What's going on? So, of course, we're here to talk Texans and there's been a lot, a lot of discussion just within last week alone, brought in Brandon Cooks after the DeAndre Hopkins trade, so on and so forth, taking on different contracts, having the excuse of not being able to pay Hopkins, but still can pay other players that you may think to yourself, why not take care of the guy who's been able to keep your offense afloat during the Brock Osweiler years, during the Brian Hoyer years? And I want to ask you, what do you make of this Brian, I'm sorry, Brandon Cooks trade? So it's it's very interesting when talking about Brandon Cooks because it's you uh, we're dealing with a lot of what ifs and I actually want to you know go towards the side of, of the the positive side of this trade because when you look at look at his numbers I mean four years consecutive uh, four one thousand yards receiving uh, consecutive years then you look at his 80, 80 receptions, over 1,200 yards receiving in 2018 when he was with the Rams, led them to the Super Bowl, had over 100 yards receiving in the Super Bowl. You come back the next year. And so, and this is the problem that I have when I, when, I, when I speak with some people or read some of the things. We look at that 2019 season with Brandon Cooks and the L.A. Rams. People don't realize a lot changed, a lot transpired that year. Um, Bill Belichick had put out the blueprint on how to stop Sean McVay in his high-powered offense. The Rams lost a really good offensive lineman to free agency. And Jared Goff didn't have the time in order to get the ball down the field to to uh, Brandon Cooks like that. So, you know, with Goff being under the pressure under pressure like that, you also had – look, Cooper Cup came back, which is the number one wide receiver for – the L.A. Rams. So there was a lot that transpired and a lot that went into uh, Brandon Cooks only having 583 yards receiving in 2019. So bringing him now to the Houston Texans and putting him in an offensive system that has a very good and accurate deep ball thrower in Deshaun Watson and putting him on the other side of Will Fuller, now you still can't roll the coverage to Will Fuller because Brandon Cooks easily steps in as the number one wide receiver and can stretch the field just as much as Will Fuller. You rotate out towards them two. Now you got, you know, Steele and uh, Randall Cobb that can kill you as well. So I like the addition of Brandon Cooks. I still think that they could have gotten him because the Rams were trying to salary dump. I don't think they had to give up a second-round pick, but I think that Bill sent it to him to ensure that they could get Brandon Cooks. You know, you you say something interesting that I want to harp on a little bit because it's basically what I've been saying ever since the um the Brandon Cooks deal had went down, and even going back to when we first brought in uh, Randall Cobb, like the Texans, they are in an interesting situation. It's like if this happens, 
then they could be this good or or if this happens then they could be this bad but you know let's say if everything goes right let's say if um Deshaun Watson is able to put his emotion towards the side and go out there on the field and perform let's say David Johnson Will Fuller even Randall Cobb those guys can stay healthy do you or do you not believe that this team heading into 2020 can be better than the team that we saw both in 18 and 19 Going in, I think that if everything plays, you know, towards the Texans' favor, I think that it can. I'm not sold on David Johnson, only because we're still the the Texans are waiting for him to, uh, or hoping, excuse me, that he rekindles that 2016 fire, and that's mm-hmm. you know, four years ago. And I know that he hasn't played a lot due to injuries, but when I start looking at, at running backs that are healthy scratches you know, for their teams and a team like the Arizona Cardinals who could have used if, you know, if they say, if if what they're saying is true about David Johnson being as talented as he is, when you look at him being a healthy scratch to uh, Kenyon Drake, I start to wonder why would you bring in David Johnson? I mean, I I still think that you could have gotten, you may not have gotten the same amount of flash from a Carlos Hyde, but you know what you were getting for a Carlos Hyde. And I think that if they yes. would have worked with him, they could have worked out a contract to bring him back because I was under the impression that Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson worked very well together. You bringing in mm-hmm. Duke Johnson, who is a threat out of the backfield, you know, as far as catching is concerned. And that's what David Johnson was. I don't know if he still can be. So I don't know what the offense is going to look like as far as from the running back position when it comes to the um, uh, Houston Texans. People don't realize that last year they were in the top ten in yards per carry and rushing yards. And so I don't understand why are you messing with that system by, you know, giving up what you gave up to bring in a David Johnson. Now, when it comes to the wide receiver position, it's still a lot of what ifs. And like I said, you, everybody knows me. You know, when I take off my professional hat and put on my fandom hat, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. So, I'm oh Lord, have mercy. To, yeah, I'm not here to try to fluff anybody. I, you know, when it comes to, you know, on the on the fandom side. But when I put that professional hat on, I look at it and I said, the only thing that concerns me when it comes to the Texans' offense is health. And but if they stay healthy. That offense is going to be top five in the NFL. Yeah, Brian. I, I, and I was just going to say, you think about it. Randall Cobb had 800, over 800 yards receiving in a Cowboys organization that wasn't really looking for Randall Cobb in the offense. Yeah, I, you Brian, know, what I want to say is, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Cody. Oh, no, I was just going to piggyback off what he said. You know, I 100% agree with you. You know, if this team can stay healthy, I do believe they can be a top five offense in this league. But once again, you're talking about Will Fuller. You're talking about David Johnson. Both of these guys, I mean, they can't stay healthy for nothing. I mean, as you say, Johnson only had one good season where he played up to his potential. And, you know, even even when you go back to last season, I mean, you know, last season he he was fairly healthy and he actually played played pretty good, but he wasn't the same guy that made him an all pro running back back in 2016. I agree. I, I definitely agree with that that he 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 isn't. And you know, if I if I had to you know look at it from a negative point of view when it comes to like like uh, Brandon Cooks. 
this is another thing that you have to look at and the fans are looking at too from like I said from from the the glass half empty perspective. Brandon Cooks only had one 100 yards uh, uh receiving game on last year. He didn't ca- have a catch, no catches, no yards against the Cincinnati Bengals. The last six games of the season, he only averaged 30 yards per game and had one touchdown. So you got the and you know he set out two games last year with a concussion issue. So you, the the glass half empty people are looking at it like we got too many what ifs going on. And I say that I can't give a fair assessment on what the Houston Texans are going to be offensively until the end of the season because there's too much uncertainty, there's too much what ifness, even if I don't even know if that's a word, but it's too much what ifness in the middle of it and it's just I, I can't. If if I'm being, you know, as professional as I can, I can't do it. Now, like I say, as a Cowboys fan, I can look at it from the back and be like, man, <laughs> as long as they can keep as long as they keep Deshaun Watson upright, they'll be good. But if you gotta depend on AJ McCarron, you done. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, what I think the Houston Texans for a while now were thinking was they were going to move away from DeAndre Hopkins. And that was a thought, I believe, during the season, simply because, I mean, we've heard the rumors of the disgruntledness between Hopkins and, and the front office, which is ran by Bill O'Brien as a GM and as a coach, just how they butted heads. And then at the center of it was money, once more money, once Odell got traded to the Browns and he's making $18 million a year. Odell hadn't been considered a top two receiver in a very long time. I'm the top two receiver in the league, and I don't give you any problems. I deserve to make that money. So when that started to kind of trickle down and say, well, I need my money. You're not going to go there. We're not going to give you that money. The Texans immediately thought we have to bring in bodies that can make up what we're going to lose in DeAndre Hopkins because it seems like it was a foregone thought for a long time. That's why the David Johnson – being brought in along with their second round pick kind of makes a little more sense because we know how great he is off the backfield. His running ability when he's healthy. Okay. Yeah. He rushed for a thousand yards that one year, but he's still effective off the backfield along with Duke Johnson. We know how fast Brandon cooks is and how great he can cause uh, separation with his speed. Uh, we know how good Randall Cobb is. We know how good Kenny Seals can be. Will Fuller, the biggest question mark. We know how good he can be when he's on the field. Now, when I look at this Houston offense in totality, you question the healthiness. I'm questioning Tim Kelly and his ability to be able to game plan to get everybody involved in order to make this offense go. Because now you don't have one focus in Hopkins. Now you have four or five focuses that can help you on this offense. What are we going to expect out of Tim Kelly next year? If you, if you expect anything as a play, play caller. I don't know what to expect from Tim Kelly. Um, but what I will say is this, is that if Coach O'Brien leaves him alone, and what I mean by leaves him alone is just let him run the offense. Don't, with no input, just be the head coach. And, you know, I'm, uh, and when I say no input, I'm not saying that totally take his hands completely off the offense, but you cannot get 
upset or you cannot think that you got to come in and take over and do this, that, and the other when plays aren't going the way that you want them to go or plays aren't being ran the way that you want them to be ran. This is going to be Tim Kelly's first full year as being the offensive coordinator, you know, with that with that title and it being his and his alone, not co-offensive coordinator. So if Bill O'Brien takes one major step back and say, Tim, this is your offense, I'm willing to see or I'm I'm willing to, you know, give him two years to see what he can do. First year is going to be growing pain. It's going to be first time him, you know, calling plays. He's been in situations where he's seen plays being called, but he hasn't been the one that has to make the call. You know, I mean, it's safe to say that. Who could say that on the fourth and one against the Kansas City Chiefs when you're up, you know, 24, 24 points that Tim Kelly doesn't say, I want to go for it. We know Bill O'Brien said kick the field goal. You know, Tim Kelly could have been like, "Hey, I want to go for it." So, when you when, when you when you look at it, Tim Kelly is going to have he's on a almost like a prove it you know prove it year, but it's only to prove it to himself. I don't think that Bill O'Brien should be the one to say that you have to prove it to me. I got to give you an opportunity. I got to give you a chance. You know, especially with all the new parts that's being added to this offense. You know, like you said, there's almost a whole new wide receiver core. I don't see Kiki Kuti being able to get any playing time in this offense. I don't even know if he stays around to next season. I think, season. He, now, I'm not saying I think they I... find a trade partner for him, maybe try to get a six-rounder out of him. Or... I'm not sure. I don't think Kiki returns. He's been in the doghouse way too long. Yeah, exactly. And so, that you know, that that's how I look at it. Now, I'm going to say this, too. I also look at it as, when it comes to the whole DeAndre Hopkins, you know, trade and what was said about he wanted more money and, you know, him and Bill O'Brien not getting along, I, I will definitely say this. Yes, DeAndre Hopkins wanted more money. That's that's not a secret. We bit, we knew that, you know, the whole time we were going down to NRG last year for games, practices, press conferences, and things like that. My thing is he deserves it, though. Anytime, I know you can look at the 27 contract and say, well, at that time, he was the highest paid wide receiver in the game. He signed a five-year contract. Hey, look, you got, and you still got what, three more years left on your contract. So you got a, you, you, you got a contract that's in place. But even if you just look at it from a regular civilian, just look at it from your job. Would you work on a job, they brought you in paying you this much a year, and in three years, Every year you've gotten better. Every year you've been the top in your profession. One year you don't make any mistakes. You remember DeAndre Hopkins had 115 receptions with no drops. You are at the top of your game. You're at the top of your profession three years straight. He made all pro three years straight. And now he comes back, he's going to be – DeAndre Hopkins is just like anybody else who works a job. Hey, man, I've outperformed what you all, you know, was paying me in 2017, I think that mm. I, I give you my all. When I step onto the field, I do any and everything that you all need me to do. There is no off-the-field issues when it comes to me. How come I can't have more money? Do y'all think I'm wrong about that? No, you're 100% right of, of, of with everything that you said. I believe me and John even mentioned that same thing on this show, you know. And like you say, each and every year, this guy has just improved on the field. And not only that, he has not done anything to make this team out, to make them look like a fool out in the public eye. Yeah, me too, man. I don't think 
And that's why I mentioned Odell. I didn't mention Odell just because he simply got traded to Cleveland. I mentioned Odell exactly. because why did he get traded to Cleveland? What was the last the when was the last time you could say Odell was a top two, top three receiver in the league? You it's been a while. And he gets traded, he gets $18 million per year, he gets that big signing bonus. And it's like, wait a minute. I had a full season where I had no drops. I've had a full season where I've had, you know, no drops. And then there's something that happened outside of the field. Then last year, you guys got into a peek into my house, my family, with the interview with my mom. And I thought that was an amazing piece, by the way. I also had a season where I had to play with Brock Osweiler. I also had a season where I had to play with four different quarterbacks. I've, like, I've, I've been through the fire with this team. And I look over up north, this this one team, first of all, they had a quarterback ranked higher than my quarterback. We saw how that turned out. Then he also, a receiver that got traded, got $18 million. I think you guys can afford that. And now he has a little bit more, I think, more gas in this tank to go off because you brought in some guys where you could have just gave me that extra $4 million, $5 million, That would have been okay. So I definitely think he deserves that money. And, and you look at it like like this as well. When uh, you, you you still have Deshaun Watson. Okay, let me say this. This is where this is where Bill O'Brien, when he was entering GM, he should have looked up forty five North at that team that plays in Arlington at Jerry World <laughs> and said, Hmm, they got it all wrong. The reason why the Dallas Cowboys are going through what they're going through right now is because they did not know how to conduct business all the while Dak was on a rookie contract. That's when you get everything else done and then clear the space on when it's time to pay Dak. Now it's about to be time to pay Deshaun Watson. If you would have done what you should have done, you could have negotiated with D-Hop last year to give him more money then. You bring in Laramie Tunsil knowing that you're going to have to sign him to a, a, a big contract. You don't do that when you first get him here. And when if you don't do that, guess what? Now he's in a position to charge you more. If they done went to DeAndre Hopkins on last year and negotiated with him and said, D, you for you know, in twenty seventeen you balled out. It's twenty nineteen, you know, twenty twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen, you balled out. We're gonna go ahead and see if we can renegotiate and give you just a little bit more money now. As the salary cap keeps going up and up, when it's time to give Deshaun Watson, his money, guess what they got? They ain't worried about it, and they've locked in the number one player. The one thing that I get mad about when I see on social media when it comes to DeAndre Hopkins is, one, well, he wanted more money, and two, I mean, you know, now they they pulled away from uh, Deshaun Watson only looking for D-Hop when he drops back. He didn't only look for D-Hop when he dropped back. If you go and you look at the tape, there was a lot of plays that were called for DeAndre Hopkins. When Will Fuller was on the when Will Fuller was on the field, there was some plays called for him. But DeAndre Hopkins was the most reliable thing that you had on the offensive side of the ball. Also, you guys have been watching the Texans for a very long time. You all watched DeAndre Hopkins evolve into the player that he is now for the throughout the past seven years. Is it just me or did the playbook change from week to week, and all of a sudden, especially in 2019, you didn't see D-Hop going down the field like he used to to anymore. You didn't see him run 
down in, you know, the deep slants or the deep post. All of a sudden, they start using him five yards here, digs in, you know, seven to eight yards, stop here, dragging across the middle. When did he yeah. become that wide receiver? And that's why you have uh, a player like Randall Cobb that has, I think, like 300 and like 29 yards after the catch. And DeAndre Hopkins with 300. And I think he had, I think Cobb had 329 and uh, D-Hop had like 357. Don't quote me on that. But they weren't too far off with yards after the catch. And when I look at that, I'm saying, wait a minute. D-Hop used to have way more yards after the catch than that. Yeah, no, not only did the, the, the play calling and the playbook change for Hopkins uh, from last year or throughout the years, but last year he didn't get as many targets as he did the year before. So yeah. last year was probably the most balanced we've seen up until everybody kind of dropped like flies. I mean, we had Carter out there getting some burn at receiver, which still made me kind of laugh because we didn't see Kiki QT out there sometimes. But from the year before to last year, Hopkins' numbers went down because of targets, and then they were using him in more intermediate short routes passing in the passing game. I thought it was more effective, honestly, because the way he could operate, I saw him a lot more in the slot. The way he can operate in those short routes, still a very good matchmaker for him, and he's able to win outside of dragging out the offense on one big play, trying to get it on one big play, using him constantly. But the playbook and the play calling for him and the entire offense did change from last year to the year before and throughout the weeks of last year. And that and that's what I said too. I wonder what happened to the, you know, everybody watched that game, you know, the very first game of the season against the New Orleans Saints. Do you remember the the Texans came out of like a two minute two minute offense when they when they first hit the field, their very first offense possession, they drove the ball right down the field. And I'm saying to myself, by the time we get to game six or seven, or when they're playing against like the Carolina Panthers, or when they're playing against teams like the Denver Broncos, teams they you know shouldn't lose to, I'm saying to myself, where where are those plays from week one against the Saints? Or you know, I I, I know that this may be wrong for me to say, you know, on on the Texas podcast, but how come we can't give, or how come they can't give? Uh, Deshaun Watson full autonomy on some of these drives. Like, say, okay, it's the third drive of the series. Hey, Deshaun, go out there and call what you want to call. You didn't see what you didn't see everything that you pretty much going to see in the first two series that's been out there. Now you got time to adjust. Get out there, consult with us, but run what you think is is best. Give him some confidence. Put some confidence, more confidence in Deshaun Watson. Because like I say, he is out there. And we've seen, look at, think about this. You remember when they were down in the national championship game against Alabama? Who, Dabo Sweeney wasn't calling plays. Deshaun Watson was calling the plays. And they ended up winning that national championship. I feel like when they allow Deshaun Watson to be who he is, which is a natural leader, which is a, a, a future Hall of Famer in my eyes, which is one of the top five to seven superstar quarterbacks in the NFL, you got to let him be him. This reminds me of how Dean Smith used to put the chains on Michael Jordan when he was in North Carolina. You know, with Hopkins no longer a part of this team, and 
if Deshaun Watson can get this team to, let's say, at least match the success or surpass the success of last season, do you or do you not think this is an opportunity for Deshaun Watson to prove not only is he a top 10 quarterback, but his name deserves to be in the likes of of um, Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes? Oh, yes, I am. I, I agree with you, fellas. 110%. Hey, listen, I know you all know who um, former um, Texas defensive player Indy Kalu is. Please don't tell him I said 110% because he hates for people to say 110 because his, <laughs> his, Rice, his Rice University mindset and degree won't let him comprehend 110% because he says nothing can go over 100%. I digress. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with all you right. all on that. <laughs> I am with you all on that if yes yes if he can all it's going to take is him to get all the Texans have to do is get to the AFC championship game with Mm -hmm. Deshaun Watson and people will start putting him up there with you know Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes because Lamar Jackson you know whether people want to believe it or not he's going to get him a Super Bowl Patrick Mahomes is going to get him another one yeah by some, you know, some strange set of, you know, chances, uh, Deshaun Watson, excuse me, brings a Super Bowl to to Houston. Oh, he solidified himself as first ballot Hall of Famer. He solidifies himself as, you know, they, they talk about the Brady, Manning, Rodgers, Drew Brees era. If Deshaun Watson brings the championship to Houston, that they the the Mahomes the Jackson the the Mahomes the Jackson and the Watson era will completely wipe those out. Mm-hmm. And which would bring me always bring me back to the 2017 draft class where the Chicago oh, Bears uh, here he go. really <laughs> chose to not only draft Mr. Trubisky trade up for him. Go get Mr. Trubisky over Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson. I've always thought that was stupid. Now, my last question oh. is, what player or position you like to see with that 48th overall pick in this upcoming NFL draft? The With, with the 40th pick? Uh, I want to be honest with you. I can't remember the kid's name. I think he's out of... Um, uh, what, what's the kid's name? The wide receiver, not the wide receiver. I'm sorry. Um, it's a. I, I, I apologize, fellas. I had the I had the name on the tip of my tongue, and now I can't remember it. I'll just say this position wise, because the the name totally slips my mind, and I apologize. I think that with the 40th pick in the second round, the Houston Texans have to get uh, a defensive edge rusher. They got to get somebody. They got to get somebody coming off off that edge. And when I say that, people are going to get mad at me because it's like, well, I mean, if you put Charles Menehue on one side and put J.J. Watt on the other, no. I think that we should we're, – we're at a point now. J.J.'s gotten a little older. J.J. still, you know, battles some injuries. Why don't you just go ahead and move J.J., slide him on in, put another edge rusher out there because J.J. has shown you in the past that he can play defensive tackle just as good as he can play defensive end. And so that I think that the Texans should go 
like I said, with an edge rusher coming out. And if not, you've got to get – a lot of people keep talking about how deep this draft is when it comes to wide receivers. And I, I get it. I got it. Yes, it is. It's very deep when it comes to wide receivers. People ain't talking about how deep this uh, this draft is when it comes to defensive backs. There are a lot of defensive backs that are still good defensive backs that are still going to be on the board when it's time for the Houston Texans to, to make a draft. So I say edge rusher first. If you can't get uh, an, an adequate edge rusher, go ahead and get you, you know, a, a defensive back, a, a cornerback to go in because Lonnie Johnson Jr. is going to, by the time he's finished with his career, you're going to be talking about him being one of the best to ever play this game. That kid has the size and the ability. Wow. All this, all he has to learn is the speed of the game. Watching him in OT, uh, watching him in OTAs on last year. I'm sorry, in minicamp last year. Watching him during training camp last year, and even during the season. I mean, you think about it. Lonnie Johnson Jr. got kicked out of practice for being too physical in a joint scrimmage against the Green Bay Packers in Green Bay. You remember that? You remember mm-hmm. how do. he got into? He, I think it was the uh, tight end out of. The tight end that came from the rookie tight end out of A&M that he smashed in the one that he would not stop talking trash to, that's how Lonnie Johnson is. And, and he has that mindset because of where he comes from. I mean, he grew up in Gary, Indiana. You know, it was almost – it was 16 of them living in a one-bedroom house. So Damn. Lonnie Johnson comes – Was it a Jackson 5? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> they lived on – You know, Jackson, Jackson 16? <laughs> Right, and so Lonnie Johnson, you know, you got to get you uh, get you a good cornerback coming out of the draft that's going to match up with him, because like I said, he has the size and he has the strength and the ability. Maybe not the speed, but that's something that you know he has adequate speed. But he will jam you on that line, and he's not afraid to come up and make the tackle. So get somebody and put them on that other side of him to replace Johnson Joseph, and let's go and see what these Texans got. Since it's Easter, you know, I'm actually going to take some time out and pray for a little miracle that, you know, some one way, shape, or another, Chase Young can still be available by the way oh. pick. <laughs> I mean, you never know, man. Miracles happen. <laughs> no, they hey, don't. The only way that the Texans gonna get, the only way they can get Chase Young, they gonna have to the, not only trade Deshaun Watson, they gonna have to give up Harden, Westbrook, Altuve, Bregman. <laughs> you know they gotta give up the uh, they they gotta give up the whole U of H football team. Like it's gonna take a lot to get there. Hey fellas, before you let me go, can I ask you all a question right quick? Yes, sir. Of course. You. you you, you you brought up Patrick Mahomes and how, uh, you know how he was when, when he was drafted and you know how the Bears jumped up and traded up to get Mitchell Trubisky over Patrick Mahomes. In all honesty, if 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 you didn't know that Patrick Mahomes just won the Super Bowl MVP and that he just won the Super Bowl coming out of college, I would not have taken Mitchell Trubisky over him. But did you see? The Patrick Mahomes now that you've seen at Texas Tech? I did. Um, as a UT fan, which, you know, that comes with tears. Um, <laughs> I'm a UT fan, too. <laughs> it comes with those tears. But uh, I, I definitely saw it simply because I saw where the NFL 
had been heading for a while. You know, we saw the change, the real true change in the NFL 2011 with Cam Newton. When he came into the league, there was finally an organization that said, we're going to build around our quarterback and not force a quarterback into what we want him to do. And so over the course of time, RG3 was also one of those quarterbacks that if it wasn't for the mishandling of him and his injury, who knows what Washington would have been able to do in his career, where that would have taken him. When I saw Patrick Mahomes do what he did under Cliff Kingsbury, my only thought was, and it just so happened to be true, he has to go to an offensive coach that will let him let it fly. And it just so happens Andy Reid and the Chiefs (laughs) traded up because they knew what they wanted. They knew it was in him, and they also knew that Alex Smith can only get you so far. Set one year, played against the Texans, actually, that rookie year in that blowout game. I was actually at that game. And I knew from then, I said, this kid is going to be special. Did I think he was going to be as special as he is as early? A Super Bowl MVP, a regular season MVP, basically with Steph Curry of the NFL? I didn't think it would be this early, but I knew he was special when I saw him play. And I also knew that I know he played in the Big 12. Those yards were not multiplied because of the Big 12. He got those yards because of how great he is. If Patrick Mahomes comes to the Texans, is he the same Patrick Mahomes? If you if you switch Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, who does Patrick Mahomes still have that career that he has now? No, simply because okay. of one man and one man only. Bill O'Brien. If Deshaun Watson goes to, if they were, if the draft was switched and Deshaun was in Kansas City, they still win a Super Bowl, and he's possibly an MVP, simply because Andy Reid and how he amplified, he got the best out he can get out of Alex Smith. Alex Smith had always been a very good quarterback. Just he, you know what you're going to get out of him, but with this dynamic talent and the way Deshaun can use his legs and the big playability that he has around an offensive mind that can consistently put you in position to win and allow you to be yourself, Bill O'Brien lacks that. Bill O'Brien lacks putting players in the best position to win. We know about his clock management issues and everything that comes with that. We may have the same conversation of, man, if we can just let Mahomes fly, this team would be a whole lot different if he was yeah. in Houston. So. Yeah. And so I just said uh, the only reason I, I I said all that is because I mean if it doesn't work out as with Bill O'Brien being the head coach, you might as well go ahead and bring Eric Bieniemy on in here and let him keep it moving. Let him go ahead and and take those play calling duties away from Tim Kelly. Make him the head coach. Take those play calling duties away because of you know the the tutelage of playing. I mean coaching under Andy Reid, and I think you can see that team take off. I agree. Wholeheartedly, I agree. And I, that's why I yeah. wanted to come in this offseason. But we know how Houston operates here in sports. Sometimes <laughs> the most obvious ain't obvious. Exactly. Exactly. Well, man, we really appreciate you, Uncle Sarge, for stopping on by for Locked On Texans. Uh, closer to the draft, maybe closer to it or after the draft, we got to bring you back on simply to discuss the shakeup of the Texans and what can possibly take place moving forward after all this quarantine mess is over with. Uh, but what I, we always want to let people have the opportunity, our guests have the opportunity to allow the listeners to know where they can find you 
Twitter, uh, any other social media, any websites, any place they can find your content and work, please let them know. Yes, you can follow me on Twitter at Big Star Sports with a Z at the end, not a S, a Z. You know, because I'm black and that's just how we do it. Anyway, yeah, you can find me <laughs> on Twitter at Big Star Sports with a Z. And you can also find me at Big Star Sports with a Z at the end dot com. Make sure you check out my latest article that I just finished today where it talks about how um, Texas head coach and general manager Bill O'Brien has finally gotten it right that where Texas fans don't have to go in worried about solidifying the offensive line this year. Now you got a unit that's going to come back uh, that's that's used to playing together, and now the Texans have finally got it right when it comes to the offensive line. And so I think we should give Bill O'Brien some credit for that. And so that's my latest article on BigStarSports.com. You know, that's funny that he asked that question. Did we know Patrick Mahomes was going to be this good? John, you say yes. I'm going to go and say no. The way I see Patrick Mahomes is the way I've experienced James Harden. And I only say that due to the fact when Harden first got traded to the Rockets, from what I known, from what I seen from him, he was with the Thunders. I say, man, you know, that means the Rockets actually has a really good player. I thought, you know, this would be a guy that's going to make, let's say, two to three all-stars and, um, you know, bring the Rockets to the playoffs like the seventh or eighth seed and get eliminated, you know, first round, possibly second round, depending on what's going on. And then, you know, we trade him for another big piece down the line. Boy, was I wrong. And um, I, I basically the same thing with Patrick Mahomes. You know, when he was at Texas Tech, you know, I saw a guy say, man, this can be a, a, a pretty exciting player who can possibly make, let's say, a couple Pro Bowl appearances here and there might have one good year where he set the league on fire. Then five to 10 years down the line, you look up and he possibly a backup quarterback actually sharing his knowledge to the next quarterback that his team drafted because unfortunately he wasn't the one to to, um, get things done. And boy, once again, boy, was I wrong. I don't think I do good with, you know, analyzing young talent like that. Yeah, you you kind of hated him for a moment. Yeah, I, I didn't like, hate oh, him for okay? a moment. No, 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 no. no. Let me let me say this. I'm not about to just let you come on the show and say I hated Patrick Mahomes. No, 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 no. I'm under the belief that Deshaun Watson is just as good as Patrick Mahomes. But John, you basically proved my theory in the last segment that Patrick Mahomes is playing for a coach who just let him, you know, you go out on the field, we trust you, you go to work. As for Deshaun Watson, he is playing under a head coach. It's like, hey, it's either my way or the highway, plain and simple. And I, and when, you know, all the hoopla behind Patrick Mahomes started, you know, I believe it was the 2018 season. Yeah, 2018. I'm like, yeah, you know, Patrick Mahomes is good. What he's doing is exciting. But, you know, we got a guy right off 16 and Kirby and NRG that can do just the same thing, if not better in some cases. You know, I know there's still a couple of things Deshaun Watson need to work on and Patrick Mahomes as well. But I just feel like the gap between Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes, and even if he throw Lamar Jackson in there as well, it's not that much of a gap between those two guys and Watson. Uh, it's a gap, but the gap is, you know, simply because of destination. Uh, but the next couple of years, 
We'll see how everything plays out for it. Watson, for the newly acquired Brandon Cooks, for, you know, Randall Carr, for King Steelers, for Will Fuller, and if he will even be a Texan moving forward after this year, who knows, uh, or if he will be traded by the deadline. So this team is very interesting right now because more than half of the city hates the direction right now with the front office and the coach. But you still have a slight shred of hope simply because of who's behind center. And that is what makes Deshaun Watson uh, so great because he gives you a hope, gives you hope in the darkest of times. I'm John, some sports guy, Hickman. As always, follow me on Twitter at some sports guy with two Y's at the end and Locked On Texans at Locked On Texans as well. And as always, please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore. Score 24. That's Cody C O T Y D A V I S underscore 24. Let's all have a great week. Houston, well, Texas maybe slowly but surely opening up this week or moving forward. Let's be cautious. Let's all play the game safe and just still have fun when, whenever you can. Till tomorrow. Peace. Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.